Gotcha. It is fine. So, like, if you just hear some random shit breaking, he's just having a good old time. It's exactly what he feels like he needs to be doing. Stop it! Just get away from my tea and my water, dude. Okay. Also, just a warning that I literally just finished studying my case. I, it's okay, me too. I printed so, it off while I was going pee before we recorded, so. I did not realize how much I did. I did so much for this one, so. I don't know how that real time limit thing that we were talking about is going to go. Okay, so I wanted to figure out a way to where I can, like, see... Okay, well, I can just see the time at the bottom and know how quick I need to go. You can also just, like, pull up your phone and pull up the stopwatch so you just kind of have it running. Or the Yeah, but I also have my notes on my phone. Oh, shoot. Oh, yeah. But I think I can just remember, like, by, like, 10, 20, I should be wrapping it up. Okay. So, or we'll do... Just aim for it. And, like, if we run over, yeah. we go over. It's not going to be, like, a public speaking class where we fail. Because this is our perfect. Part. We can do whatever we want. This is just kind of to make it a little bit easier on us when we're, like, researching and editing and everything. So, Absolutely. So let's go ahead and get it started so you don't have a billion things to edit like last week. Stop it, Zoe. <laughs> get out of the tea. It's hot. My tea's cold today because... Well, it's kind of a funny story, so I'll say it in the podcast. Okay. But, like, welcome, everyone, to Crime and Chamomile. I'm Hello. Kendall. This is Liv. We are doing, this week, we are doing Texas. Boom, boom, boom. Everything's bigger in Texas. I was trying to look for, like, a big serial killer or something, mm -hmm. but since we went so intense last week, I was like, maybe I should do something just a little bit. Oh, we were going less intense this week? Okay. <laughs> Well, good thing I'm starting off this week because I did go less intense, but yeah, I basically already finished. Oh, my tea today, I'm doing a vanilla and chamomile. I love her. It is so, it's so good, but I'm already basically finished with it because I was trying to get tea into my mouth because um, I was a seven hour car drive today back from South Carolina to Georgia and I had sour Skittles that I got from a rest stop and my mouth is just numb. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, so, I'm trying to regain feeling. It's upsetting because my mom just got Sunny D. I don't want to have some, but I know that sucker would just <laughs> hurt. It would just be so painful. Oh, my God. That's so funny. Today, I have some jasmine green tea. She's, she's very floral, and I like her, but also, I don't know. It kind of also tastes like soap. Oh. You know how, like, sometimes floor, like, I, I use jasmine soap a lot. I really like jasmine-scented soap. And so I feel like, in my mind, it's just too closely associated with soap for me to, like, truly yeah. enjoy the tea. Jasmine, I've never liked tea with jasmine in it. It's always given me sort of that soapy vibe. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is. But I also have, like, a lot of cleaning products with that. So we'll go ahead and get started because last week... The reason we switched from Monday to Tuesday is because literally, like, everything that could have gone wrong probably went wrong. But now we know what to do. We know don't record for, like, three hours. And Kindle, find a stable internet connection. I did. And Liv, sit closer to your microphone. Perfect. We're all, it's a learning experience. Wow, my voice is going out. 
Um, <laughs> but so, yeah. And then also we're like, okay, well, we do record on Thursdays. And then we're like, okay, no, 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 we'll do, we'll do Thursdays. And they're like, oh, wait, okay, let's do Fridays. And because we were both just like busy and everything. And then today we're like, okay, we'll do it tomorrow morning because Liv is literally going through the most intense moving situation. Yeah. So, um, I had, I had what I thought was like a living situation kind of figured out. It wasn't the like best living situation because I'm high risk for COVID. So the best living situation for me is just by myself, like a one bedroom apartment. Um, but I thought that I had signed a lease with the girl that I'm currently living with for next year. And I was like, okay, well, I already know her. Like I know her primary group of people that she would probably have come over here. Like we have a lot of the same friends, so it wasn't going to be that bad. But then it turned out that she hadn't signed it or like the paperwork didn't go through or something happened where like she thought that she had signed it, but they never got it. So then I had no control over who was going to live with me because those apartments were full. She couldn't have even signed a lease if she wanted to. Oh my God. Yeah. And so luckily a couple of days before all that happened, a friend of mine had texted me and was like, Hey, do you still have that apartment for sublet? Cause we had kind of been looking for people to take over our leases anyway. And I was like, yes. And so we had been talking back and forth. <clears throat> Sorry. And long story short, as long as the ink dries and everything, first thing Monday morning, he should be taking over my lease. But that means that I have to find somewhere to live by Saturday of next week. Oh, gosh. Mm -hmm. I would help you if I could. But there's COVID and also a very long drive. And I can't drive. So it's okay. I appreciate the thought process. Well, let's get into the story. I'm just constantly thinking about like, okay, I'm not going to make Liv edit for forever. And Okay, girl, literally, I told you that I could edit it. We could have outsourced the editing. There were like two people that asked if they wanted to edit. I signed True. up to edit. So don't you worry about like taking up any of my precious time. I mean, true, but you're also going through so much right now, but it is good to know that I can also edit, and we also have two people behind us that are like, I'll edit it, and I'm like, okay. The resources that we have, the universe is abundant, and she is, is just constantly giving stuff to us, and so we're gonna mm -hmm. get it figured out. We're gonna be fine, so we can just talk as much bullshit as we want. Absolutely, and going into some BS, let's talk about the <laughs> Roxanne Paltiff disappearance. I'm in Austin, really Texas. I'm really excited for this one because I've never heard of it a day in my life. It is. It's Texas. It is. Love that. Um, so this all happened on the 4th of July weekend. And know how last week you were like, guys, you just looked at her notes for the first time. And I was like, majority through the story. I'm already on these notes. <laughs> I'm already scrolling because I can't. It's, this, this week has been a mess. But, um. So it's 4th of July weekend, and there's our girl, Roxanne. Um, she was normally her family, as Texans do. Uh, 4th of July is like family weekend. It's a hardcore day to celebrate. And they were like, they normally spend it together, but then Roxanne was like, well, I think I want to spend it with my anniversary with my boyfriend, Louis, and a couple towns over that are just going to go do a little anniversary thing. And her mom was like, okay, I'm not super happy with it, but it's fine. Go do it. Like, that's okay. And then was it Saturday morning? They decided to go, they were going to do a shopping thing. Cause that was when she was coming back. They're like, okay, she can 
come back and we all go shopping at the outlet mall. If you need to be specific, it was an outlet mall, even though we're Texas. Yeah, so, for sure. Take a mall, but just make it take up like 20 city blocks. Nothing mm-hmm. more Texas than that. Yeah. And make it just all outside when you guys have the most unbearing heat. <laughs> That's just so, such a good idea. And then Roxanne called and was like, hey, I'm deciding to stay another night. Um, so I'll see you guys in the morning. And Roxanne had actually just turned 18 two months ago. So they're like, okay, she's an adult. Her mom was not happy with it. She was like, because she has her sisters, Rosalind, Veronica, and Ruby, and her mother, Elizabeth, which you will later learn are icons. Um, but, like, they called her, and she's just like, yeah, we're just staying another day. So, they're like, okay, that's fine, I guess. And then they got a call from Roxanne, Roxanne's phone, but it was Lewis saying, have you seen Roxanne? And they're like, what do you mean you're on her phone? Like, what? And he's like, no, we got in a fight, and she ran off. She didn't take her phone or her purse. She's not here anymore. And they were like, um, what? She's, she's missing. And they called the police, but they didn't respond quick enough for them. They, of course, the police took so long to respond. Mm -hmm. So the family was like, I'm doing this myself. I love that. As, as they did. So they like went to look at the motel to go see like, cause they were staying in a motel. It was in like, they really went into depth of how rough that part of town was like, talking about, it was weird how they kept calling the prostitutes lady of the nights, and I was like, okay. Just say sex worker and go, dude. Like, just say sex yeah. worker and go. Uh, it was like, they were all scared to say what their job was. I was like, okay. Because it took me a second to realize, I was like, what are they mean, lady of the night? Like, what is that? And then I had to look it up. I was like, oh, it's so, so sweet. What's a lady of the night? I have never heard that before, like, a lady of the night. So I was like, okay turns out it's just a sex worker but um like it was just a rough part of town like motels was just a bunch of drug dealers saying and then like you could rent them by hour type thing Mm -hmm. so um so lady of the hour not lady of the night basically yeah (laughs) and then eventually the police got into contact and everything and we're trying to finally and elizabeth the mother was like pushing it she was like, find my daughter right now. You already took so long to respond. Get your butt on this case. Mm-hmm. And then Elizabeth was like pushing their like to the boyfriend, Lewis, like you need to call. You need to tell them and talk to them because you're the last one to see her. Like right. you are the main source right now because the final person to see the person is that's key. What year is this? Oh my God. I have no idea. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I literally, wait, I can look it up, just, just edit this part out where I have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, when do, it's okay, give me one second too, so we'll just take like a quick two second break. Yeah, we're good. My cat was just messing with something, and I knew it was going to get noisy if I didn't go ahead and move it. Gotcha, gotcha. So we're back. And it did happen in uh, 2006. 
2006. Okay, so it was I was guessing it was like, early 2000s. So if we're thinking about the phone that Roxanne left behind, are we thinking like a Motorola Razor? Maybe like a Blackberry? I was thinking like a Blackberry sort of thing. They seemed like... Like that. I don't know. I just, they reminded me a lot of my sister who was, who's 10 years older than me. So like at that time, right? she was 2006, she was 13. So. Okay. Yeah. Um, and okay. Now let's kind of dive more into like Lewis. He, I was about to say, he seems sus already. He didn't want to talk to the police. And also, it took him 24 hours to report her missing after she left. So your girlfriend runs away. She leaves her phone and her purse. So all of her money. In a bad part of town. In a bad part of town. All of her money. Any way to identify herself. And also any way to call anybody that she knows. Mm -hmm. And he's just like, all right, well, I mean, if I don't see her tomorrow, I'll call her mom. Her mother. I won't call the cops. I'll just call her mom. Yeah. Probably just blew off some steam, you know, walking through the seediest part of Austin in the middle of the night with no phone and no wallet. Yeah. That's just, is the perfect thing for her to do. Right. And she was known to be like, people loved her. So then the police were like, well, let's go to the motel, try to figure out which room they're in. Because it's been a couple days before Lewis reported anything about the motel or anything, so people have already been in and out of that room. It's been cleaned. It's been sorcerers, so they're like crap. And then the bookkeeping has been cleaned and moved in and out of. Hmm. Of course. And they, um, the bookkeeping is so bad that they can't even fully figure out which room that they stayed in. Oh my gosh. Oh my god. <laughs> Bowie straight up looked like a chicken pecking at your mind for a second. I was about to be so confused. I, I think that's what he felt like he was doing. He really, he really went for that. Okay, so then they were like, okay, if we can't find the motel room, well, Lewis said that she left her stuff in the room. Where is that stuff? So they're like, okay, can you give it to us? Like, we want the stuff. It took them five days. Five days to give him the stuff. The motel or Lewis? Lewis, he had her stuff that he left at the hotel room because he cleaned up and left. He checked out so he didn't get overcharged. And so he's out of there and they're like, okay, give us the stuff. And it was a purse, her phone, the jewelry that she wears every day, and a bag of clothes. So they start looking through that stuff, you know, just so what, to make she's sure. Just, okay, so now, now the scenario is that they got into a fight. She took off all of her jewelry and her clothes and left that along with her phone and her wallet. So what, she's just strutting down Austin naked? Well, it was just, like, her bag of clothes, because they've been staying there for, like, their anniversary. Okay, okay. So it was, like, her luggage sort of thing, like, a little luggage thing of her clothes and everything. and just like just saying, like, the set of clothes that she was in. No, it was, like, it was... Like an overnight bag. Yeah. And then they started looking into it, and they're looking through her bag of clothes, and Roxanne's sister, Roslyn, was like, this isn't Roxanne's clothes. This is not my sister's clothing. Because they're sisters, they live together, so she's Mm -hmm. like, I know my sister's clothing, I borrow it all the time, this is not hers. It was not hers. And then they checked the phone, just to see what had happened, and after uh, Roxanne went missing... Lewis had called 
300 times on her phone. Using her phone, he did 300 times, multiple times to, like, sex hotlines and to his ex-girlfriend in New Mexico. Fun, fun, what fun. Part of, what part of this plan? So let's go with his story just for, like, a hot second. So he and his girlfriend get into a fight. She storms out. She's so pissed off. She doesn't even take any of her stuff. She's like, I, like, I hate you. I'm walking out of here. I don't even have shoes on. That's how mad I am. Yeah. can't say that I haven't been in a situation where I kind of wanted to walk out without any shoes on. Like, I can genuinely kind of see it. So what, what then makes him for the next however many, what, six days? Eight days? Yes. It was five days after he, it took him five days to return the stuff. Yeah, so he calls 300 people after she goes missing. She, he makes 300 calls off of her phone. Mm-hmm. To sex workers and to his ex-girlfriend. So if he's assuming that he's going to find her and she's going to come back, mm-hmm. he's just called 300 sex workers or people that he's already had sex with off of her phone. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... um. Then they're like, let's go to the hotel clerk from that night and see her story. And it does match up. It says, I saw Roxanne run off and Lewis go after her. And she kept running and then Lewis went back. And then um, turns out that the hotel clerk, when she got pushed a little further, that she actually spent the night with him that night. Uh She... She spent. So what? So what? She goes and knocks on the door and she's like, hey, I saw this girl just take off running without any shoes or stuff from your room. And I saw you chase her, but then give up on the chase. And I just thought the fact that you gave up on the chase was really hot. So like. Yeah, like, I really don't understand Texas. I don't. But that's a different topic. (laughs) Like, I don't understand how Texas works. Um... And then, okay, back to the thing is, they're trying to get more to lose. They're like, you, you slept with someone right after your girlfriend went missing in the bedroom town. Like, what, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And then, finally, when Lewis is not speaking, he's like, I plead the fifth, I plead the fifth. Um, and he can't be arrested yet, because I do not have any physical evidence. Mm-hmm. It has to be consensual. And, of course, Lewis is not going to consensually go in. And the two sisters start to speak up and they say, well, one time a couple months ago, we were driving home and we see Roxanne on the side of the road waiting at a bus stop with some sunglasses on. And they check up on her, of course, like pull her over and they're like, okay, you can come in with us. She pulls her sunglasses off. And she had bruises all over her face. Her nose was broken and dis- oh like detached to where she had to get a surgery. And she tried to say she got caught in between Lewis fighting with someone else later got determined that it was Lewis himself. So, there was that that got revealed and everything, but they still could not take Lewis in, and they still had really no, nothing forward. And then this happens. So, a little later in a motel, a couple, um, just a couple blocks down from theirs, They got a call about a disturbance and they went to go see and saw this man like getting too rough with uh, a lady of the night. (laughs) Um, Saw her, it was just being, he was not doing anything consensual. So they pulled him apart, put him away and everything. And they're like his, and he got identified as Jeffrey Moore, 
which they said was a sexual predator because he would get sex workers and then just go too far with them, be too rough, do all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Don't know how he wasn't already in prison, but that's another topic. And then they're searching him, of course. It's just the search that they do. They're about to be like, okay, well, you can go. Because, of course, they'd let him go. Why would he be all you did jail? was sexually assault a sex worker. Right? Yeah. But, I mean, it's her job, right? <sighs> I hate the cops. Okay, different story. But, um, so, like, they're going through and they're about to, like, let him go, and then they're looking through his wallet and stuff, and then out drops Roxanne's ID, and that changed everything, because they finally had something physical that they could go after, and they were like, why why did you have this and everything and they're they're going for it they search his car and everything because they search his car oh wait i went too far backtrack just a little bit for the reason they're looking in their car is because they're like why did you have her id and they're like well we're friends we were partying together and everything and then like she just asked me to hold her id and everything and i was like okay that's a dumb story and they start pushing just a little bit harder and he was like, well, actually, I met her that night and everything, and she asked me for a ride. I forget where it was. I think it was just to her house or something, but it was just a ride home. And they're like, okay, search his car. They see a red stain, and the family's, like, super stressed out. They're like, oh, God, it must be hers. It was dried ketchup. It was not her. What? What? I know. You they- just took me 150 different ways. I know, I did it on purpose, because I was watching that too, and I was literally like, oh my god, oh my god, they found a big red stain in the back of his, also they said it was a huge stain, and I was like, how much ketchup did you spill and not clean up? And why was there that much ketchup? Yeah. What was the reason? Also, his car was so disgusting. Um, Just seeing the outside picture, I just know what it smelled like. Mm -hmm. I just know it. Mm -hmm. And then more stuff keeps just getting released on Lewis. Throughout the whole thing, Lewis just sprinkled in some more stuff. And finally, the police realize that Lewis said he was 18, just like her. But no, he was 28. (gasps) They started dating when she was 16. No! A pedophile! And they still didn't arrest him! Wait, so they find out that he was a pedophile and they didn't arrest him? Nope. Why? And I was like, uh, technically they're still in a relationship. Like. Yeah, just because he, just because we don't know where she is. Yeah, that doesn't, that's still technically your girlfriend. Yeah, we haven't found a body at this point. So they literally start going around town, printing out flyers and flyers, taping them up. Like when people are stopped at a like red light they're giving them papers being like look and look and then one of the sex workers comes up to her and she's like i promise you i will help you find your daughter and she starts digging she goes by loretta she starts digging and digging and keep finding more stuff and then um it was two weeks later when they found a body underneath the bridge and they were like 
so stressed out. And the thing was, the mom, Elizabeth, figured out from the news before she got the call from the police. They Absolutely found not. No. I know. I was like, you did not call her fast enough. If the news can get there before they can, obviously you're telling people, you need to be telling them all first. Because if the TV is going to see her daughter's body be brought out of a river before she is, like, but it was not her. It was Loretta. (gasps) No fucking way. I know. And her mouth was stuffed with paper towels. And she was dead underneath the bridge. Now, there's a lot of speculation that she almost, she, she either figured it out or she got way too close to the truth. Oh my God. I know. Two weeks after she made that promise and everything. And it's like, I'll help you find it. She started searching. She helped pass out papers and everything. Dead underneath the bridge with paper towels stuffed down her throat. That's like some mob's shit. I know. I really don't know why people, like, literally, it was weird to me because when I was watching this little documentary on it, it was like, yeah, here's Loretta. She promised. I was like, oh, that's a cute side story of them helping. And then they talked about the body, and I was like, oh, God, who is it? And they're like, it's Loretta. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, Does this go all the way to the top or something? Like, what? It is. Okay. And then they she realize... Says- Okay, and then... (laughs) And then, Lewis, he continues to be worse. A full, like, it's about a little over a month after Roxanne is gone. Lewis has another girlfriend. Love that. Super cute. And Elizabeth, Roxanne's mom. This is what I was saying. She's an icon. She's an icon because... Mm -hmm. She got the ex-girlfriend, or she got the new girlfriend, brought her over, showed her pictures of her daughter that is missing that was Lewis, and talked to her, and got her to open up to fully see, like, has he said anything? And he said, this is me quoting what the mom said he said. He said, if you don't do what I tell you to do, you're going to be dead like that white B-I-T-C-H Roxanne. If you don't do what I tell you, you're going to be dead like that white bitch Roxanne? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh my And then Elizabeth is instantly like, tell the police, tell the police. She didn't do it. So they still couldn't arrest him. Because it was not... That was hearsay at that point. Because he didn't tell Elizabeth directly. Oh my god. And nothing happened. Years go by. And then eventually someone gives them a tip about saying that she's going to be in this field that's near the motels. They go and they dig up the whole thing. They're searching and they're searching and no, nobody, nothing. And there's speculations on if what happened was like, um, Lewis wanted like her to do stuff to get money and everything and like got caught up with Jeffrey and he wanted to do rough stuff and she got caught up in the middle of that and didn't do what they wanted her to do. That was what some of the police officers were saying, like, she was being told to do stuff she didn't want to do and eventually got caught up in it and, like, killed her, different things like that. But at the end of the day, no one is charged. Lewis walks free. At the end of this documentary, literally, the lady is, like, outside of his apartment for hours trying to wait to see when he comes out. He just walks free. He's absolutely gone. 
and like but his sister her sister Roslyn still like she has a kid and everything and she still like is handing out papers and putting up papers when they fall down oh my gosh which is so that makes me she's an icon but that is so sad to me that is the most heartbreaking thing I've ever heard yeah and the fact I mean let's pray that they find what happened to her eventually because like I mean how did they not they need to arrest Lewis Here's what I have, like, here's my question, and it would be interesting, because I know that what you watch probably, like, didn't go into it this much, because I bet it had a lot of interviews from the police officers who were, like, on the team or whatever, but it kind of sounds like um, everything was, hmm, what do the kids call it, bungled, considering that they knew that Lewis had all of her stuff. And they were like, can you pretty please hand it to me? And he was like, yeah, yeah, um, in a business week. And they were like, okay, take your time, sweetie. Love you. No, you go to a judge, you get a warrant, then you get it that day. Mm -hmm. Because then once you have, once he's had it for five days, all of his finger, it doesn't matter if his fingerprints or DNA are on it. Like it doesn't matter at that point. Yeah. And also like, I don't know if it was passed back then, but. After a while, don't they not have to have a warrant if you, if their, like, evidence is in jeopardy? I feel like I remember learning about that in, in, like, law class or something. I was, I took one semester of criminal justice. You worked at a law firm, so you are obviously on a very different level. I did civil law, though. I haven't ever done anything in criminal law, so I actually don't know in terms of that. I know it's for, like, a car, though. Like, if... They can search you without a warrant if they have, like, you might have evidence in jeopardy in there. But, you know, cops like to screw around with that one. Well, I mean, we're in Texas, so it seems like a place that it would be likely. But also, let me just go ahead and ask really quick. What was that guy's race, Louis? Louis? He was a black man. He was? Mm Mm-hmm. Interesting. I know. By the way the police treated him, it sounds like police would treat him... I'm just so confused at why he had evidence for five days. Right. Because you'd think that they wouldn't even need a warrant to go get that from him. That's evidence. Mm-hmm. That is, like, literally... It's like, it's not even his stuff. What would they ask for a warrant for? Like, somebody else's property? It's not his. Yeah, and, like, do you know how easy it would be for them to get a warrant for that? Like, they have evidence of a missing person in their house. Right. Take the, it. La- the last things that this girl had on her before she went missing are in this man's house. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that was the last person to be seen. And he's not saying anything. I feel like they could have found a loophole to get him in jail. Yeah. Like, it's just so confusing at how he didn't. Turns out he was a pedophile. He got a girlfriend right after. He slept with the hotel clerk. Oh, something that I thought about too is like, if he went and called all these sex lines and like slept with the clerk, he knew Roxanne wasn't coming back to the room. Right. Her stuff was in there though. So how did he know that she wasn't coming back to get her stuff? Like, mm-hmm. it's just, that's why I find it hilarious that he even made those 300 calls in the first place. Mm-hmm. 
Because even if he had deleted the call log history on the phone, all you got to do is call whoever the, like, cell phone Mm-hmm. network is and the network has that information especially with something like a phone call like they uh-huh. have call logs for sure and it's just like it's 300 calls i don't think i've done that many calls in my years of having a phone i need to do that in five days i know i mean when did he have time to fuck the night clerk like when i know he's doing all these calls and i'm like also why Something that uh, maybe she did, but I never saw anything about it. Why did they not talk to the ex-girlfriend from New Mexico? Like, yeah, it's interesting. If she knew him and everything, she would be able to say if he's slightly off. Also, she's an ex, so she'd probably be willing to give information. We know that ex-girlfriends, ex-girlfriends cover for you in the moment, but they come back. They do. Back. Remember, if you're a horrible person and you make your ex-girlfriend lie for an alibi, you're not going to start treating her great all of a sudden because she has some dirt on you. Mm-hmm. You're still going to treat her like shit and you'll just be in jail 10 years later rather than immediately. Yeah. Like, I am praying that they find something. Like, I mean, it's- the fact that they got that anonymous tip years later saying that she's in the field and, like, the police literally searched and searched for her, but they didn't find anything. Okay, I saw this thing on, I don't know, Twitter, Tumblr. I, I don't even know how long ago I saw it, but it was like, here's a life hack for you. If you ever need to dispose of a body, you call in a tip to the police telling them that the body is somewhere that you haven't put it. They go dig the holes for you. They aren't going to go back and fill in the holes. You put the body in there and fill it in just enough to cover the body. I read that. It also made me so concerned because that is on the, because that's on social media. So literally anyone can see that. Anyone can see that. But I also kind of like that those things are on social media because anyone can see that, including the cops who are investigating. True. But there is no way to track who's seen a post, I guess. Because you can screenshot it. You can. It's just like, now everyone has that information. Great. Can't wait to be covering that true crime story where they're like, they went and got this tip and then it wasn't there. Like, oh my gosh. (laughs) And I actually did complete my time and we did our little intermission all within the 30 minutes. I'm so proud of you. Also, because I haven't researched this story enough to go on for a super long time. I'll probably probably, uh, take up some of your time then, just because there are some kind of conspiracies. Not necessarily Well, yeah. We'll just get into it. So I'm doing the Waco Siege, which I... haven't heard of it. You haven't heard of it? Okay. No. So I did a lot of research on, like, PBS, Wikipedia, obviously. Like, I went and did that. But also, there's a show on Netflix called Waco. I think it's on Netflix. I'm pretty sure. But, you know, it's on, like, one of the big three. So it's on Netflix, Hulu, or Prime. I'm, like, 99.9% sure it's on Netflix, but you know how I feel about that 0.1%. We simply cannot have it on this podcast. Netflix. Love that. So it's on Netflix. It's really awesome. It's one of those, like, limited series where instead of like, trying to make a movie and cut the story down a bunch. They just make, like, five or six one-hour episodes about something so that they can Mm -hmm. fit the whole story in there. And so that showed a lot of the negotiation 
because this was a 51-day hostage situation in Waco, Texas. Oh, my God. Please go watch the documentary. I Or not the documentary, like the docu-series, docu-drama, whatever you want to call it. Definitely not a documentary. So, anyway, we'll just get into it. On February 28, 1993, around 9.30 in the morning, um, agents from Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, which from here on out will be known as ATF, uh, they have a search warrant for David Koresh, who is the leader of the Branch Davidians, and they are on their Waco compound, which has a, oh, it's called the Mount Carmel Center, but it's just kind of called the compound or like the Davidian compound interchangeably. Um, and so what they have the warrant for his arrest, again, it's alcohol, tobacco, and firearms. Basically, they had evidence that David Koresh was um, illegally turning semi-automatic rifles into automatic rifles. Oh, gosh. Okay. With like an additive. But here's the thing about that. In 1993 in Texas, all you needed to turn semi-automatics into automatics was a $25 permit. So even oh, if wow. they... Right. So, like, on one hand, why was it only $25 to be able to do this? But on the other hand, had they been breaking this rule, like, they would have just had to pay a fine. It wasn't, it wasn't mm-hmm. something worthy of, like, a 51-day standoff. I don't know. Just my personal opinion. And so, in the TV show at this particular part, uh, David Koresh, like, walks out of the compound and, like, gets down on his knees to surrender. And then gun- gunshots ring out. I don't know if that actually happened. It didn't seem like it happened. It kind of just seemed mm-hmm. like it was for the TV show for like the drama that he tried to surrender and they shot anyway. But who shot first is one of the most like highly contended points of this entire thing. Because basically the Davidians were arguing that they know for a fact they didn't shoot first. And that's why they weren't leaving. Is because they were like, you guys came here or something that isn't even really that big of a deal and literally just like open fire on us. Yeah. And so there's a bunch of gunfire. It didn't say how many rounds were expended, but I'm, exu- I'm assuming a lot. They had automatic, they were, so the Davidians were armed like a military as well as alcohol, tobacco and firearms. So it was just a mess. Um, mm-hmm. Four ATF agents die and 16 are wounded. So 20 oh injured total from the Davidians. And then we, we do not know how many Davidians were injured or killed because they didn't say, and they wouldn't say. And so then the FBI is like, okay, what the fuck? Let's, we're going to handle this. So they bring in the uh, hostage rescue team, HRT, and the FBI is now like officially in charge. Um, And so David Koresh and Steve Schneider are on the phone with Jim Cavanaugh and, uh, I'm sorry. There's there's one other guy. I think his name is like Gerser or something like that. But basically, they have the negotiator and Schneider and uh, Koresh are the guys on the inside. So Schneider's name comes up a lot. Just remember that he's a Davidian. Gotcha. And then anybody else, I just kind of said like FBI because there were too many names. So I was like, these government, not government. That's kind of how I do know. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And so... um. One of the Davidians tries to leave the compound because they're like, everybody get out of the compound now. Like, we're going to search it. We need to arrest your leader. And so this one guy's like, all right. And so he leaves and they shoot and kill him. Yeah. For doing what they asked? Basically, yeah. 
they shot and killed him. And so I think that might have been what the show was trying to show when, like, David Koresh walked out and they started shooting. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what. But, um, and so in the show, again, one of the women calls 911. Like, one of the women inside the house calls 911 and is like, you have to get out here. Like, they won't stop shooting at us and we don't know who to call. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if that's exactly what happened, but neither here nor there, the Texas Rangers end up at the Waco compound. So now we have alcohol, tobacco, and firearms, the FBI, the hostage hostage rescue team from the FBI, and now the Texas Rangers are here, and the FBI is just like, nope, you guys cannot investigate whether or not we were supposed to kill that guy the way that we just did. Ah, the worst! Yeah. This is going to be a very common theme, is everybody arguing over who gets to take lead and take point, and who's tactics we have to use and everything else and so let's just that's where it fails when they don't know who's the direct leader Mm -hmm. everyone's like i'm the leader i'm the leader and then nothing gets done well basically a lot of what it there was kind of a guy who was in charge but he was just the guy that like made the final decision so everybody was trying to like dazzle him and kind of like get his whatever his approval and he was more of like a tactical response dude He didn't have that much training with, like, hostage retrieval. Oh, fun. Yeah. And so when people in Washington started to get agitated that, like, the siege was going on for too long and this, that, or whatever, he was the guy that was saying, like, we can't look weak by pulling out from the siege. And, like, we have to stay there because we, like, they're going to make a fool out of us at this point. And it's... Oh, my gosh. Yeah, your dignity will be hurt if you don't win. Not like there's people's lives on the line or anything. Come on, just but, do what you did in Nam. Just do uh, what you did in Nam. Just leave and mm-hmm. pretend like you won. Just leave and mm-hmm. pretend like you won. So, who in the public win? school, we have never lost a war. So No, we tied in a war. Did you guys know that you can tie in war? <laughs> That's what I oh was my god! in the school system in elementary school. <laughs> oh my god, I didn't, Wow. We, I was literally taught that we tied in Vietnam and I came home and I was like, mom, how do you tie in a war? And she's like, it's, it's complicated. There wasn't an official surrender. So that's why we call it a tie. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay. It was just like rock, paper, scissors. And they only did one game. So it's just, <laughs> it's just turned out. <laughs> sure. I love America. Mm-hmm. I'm kidding. Mm-hmm. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> So the Branch Davidians are a sect of the Seventh-day Adventists who basically believe that it, you know what, I don't really know. But from what I, I don't know what the Seventh-day Adventists believe (laughs) in, like, relation to what they, what the Branch Davidians believe. So, like, I don't know the difference between the two is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) You literally started off with what I, uh, actually, I don't know what I believe in. (laughs) It just, like, (laughs) I was trying not to like wheeze into the microphone for a second, but I was like, like I know I'm tired, but I just I was like that didn't click at all. I know that like Seventh Day Adventist has something to do with like the Lord resting on the seventh day. Yeah. And then these guys believed in the seven seals, which is like a chapter in Exodus and Revelations that basically kind of laid out the rules for, like, the end of the world and, like, when Armageddon was going to take place. So to make a long story short, they're a doomsday cult. 
Like, they're one of the doomsday. Oh, gotcha. Like, the world is about to end. And, like, every time they get a new leader, the new leader's like, the world's going to end. And then it doesn't. And they're like, oh, my God, just kidding. I, God just told me that it's actually going to end later. It's going to end later. It's, it wasn't mm. going to end when he told me the first time. That was my fault. I translated wrong. But I'm also still perfect. Don't forget that. Yeah. And so, I love a cult. David Koresh used to be known as uh, Vernon Howell. And he basically rolls up to the Davidian compound, starts fucking the leader's daughter. And then she dies. And then... Mm, do, do, do. Wait, and this was already... in the 90s. How did she just die? I don't know. It doesn't say how she... Oh, here's how she died. She was in her 60s in... David Koresh was in his 20s. That's how she died. She was old. Like, it was old age or something. And so David kept talking about how he wanted to have a child with her. That was going to be the chosen one. But I don't know how you can have the chosen child with a postmenopausal lady. Anyway, uh, Vernon, as he used to be, so he was, you know, fucking the leader's wife. She passes away, and her son inherited the cult. And so David Koresh does what any, any guy that wants to be a cult leader does. He stages a military coup at oh, this fun. compound. So on November 3rd, 1987, he storms the Carmel Center with uh, 22 semiotic ra- rifles and 12-gauge shotguns and 400 rounds of ammunition. Oh, oh my gosh. And so they get arrested and they go to trial and uh, they were found not guilty, and they weren't able to agree. So the followers, he brought seven people with him to go do all of that. All of the followers were found not guilty, and then there was a hung jury, a hung jury for Howell. Where do you find these people? It took me forever to even find people that like true crime, but you can find people that'll join your cult with you? That's what I'm saying. How does this work? <laughs> and Oh, yeah. So after they were all found not guilty... Uh, David Koresh was like, invited all the prosecutors back to the compound for ice cream. (laughs) Is this allowed? (laughs) In addition, David Koresh through forgery stole the identity of the Branch Davidian Seventh-day Adventist for the purposes of obtaining the Mount Carmel property. So he just kind of like, he was just showing up with guns and forged documents and everything just to get whatever he wanted like nothing that he saw was out of his reach and he would do absolutely anything that he needed to oh my god someone didn't get yelled at as a child not once someone didn't get yelled at or hugged at all there was nothing yes he never had a moment where someone put him in his place Mm -hmm. so I mean, don't yell at your kids or anything. I'm not saying that, but you said at one point you got to know where your place is. Mm-hmm. That kid did not know. So he was like, if I have guns, I can do absolutely anything. Wow. <laughs> I, I, I can't. I can't with him. So uh, after his military coup, uh, Vernon Howell decides that it's time to change his name, and he decides to change it to uh, David Koresh. Because of the biblical King David and Cyrus the Great, because Koresh is how you say Cyrus in Hebrew. Gotcha. So David Koresh, because, yeah, you know, just go name yourself after kings whenever you feel like it, whenever you feel like it. And then um, his goal 
was to create a new legion and lineage of world leaders. That was his main goal. And so that was kind of what the FBI started to use for like evidence of child sexual abuse because as the siege went on, they were kind of having trouble justifying like keeping all of the resources because they had like tanks, like actual tanks out in the middle of Texas for like basically no reason because these people were changing semi-automatics into automatics. And so everybody was like, yeah, there's child abuse going on in there. That is hotly contested like it's a cult so Mm -hmm. maybe but there isn't that much like it wasn't like the people that escaped were like yes yeah like even in this pbs thing it consistently says allegations of sexual abuse by the fbi yeah which normally isn't trying to cover up there it might not be true this pbs article was honestly kind of scathing against the fbi i loved it so pbs moment right So, back to whatever the fuck just went down at the Waco compound. There's over 100 people inside, and now it is March 1st. And uh, President Clinton is briefed on the situation, and he's like, yes, we should de-escalate. That is what I want to do. And this kind of works, because at 5 p.m., yeah, at 5, 10 children are sent out of the compound, and by 5 p.m., uh, the FBI had created, like, a functioning command post. And then the FBI goes around in armored vehicles to contain a perimeter. Mm-hmm. And David Koresh is like, what the hell? Like, what are you guys doing? And they try to, like, cut his phone line to negotiators. But at least twice on March 1st, he was like, listen, we are not trying to do a mass suicide. That is not our fit, like, our bag, our gig. That's not what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. And uh, he even admits, he's like, listen, I realized that I was supposed to come out here and I didn't, but I'm dealing with God, my father, and also your bureaucratic system of government. And so he just keeps talking about biblical matters. Like he goes on and on for hours and the negotiators are like, dude, we just want you to leave so that we can go grab the guns. It's, yeah, I mean, it's weird because he says stuff like that, like he's actually owning up and learning stuff, but at the end of the day, he's a cult leader that is literally, right. he's terrifying, because but he's knows- saying these things that are, like, charismatic. Mm-hmm. Because, like, knowing how many people died when it was all said and done, mm-hmm. it really doesn't seem worth it, like, from the FBI side, like, had they known that that was how it was all going to have to end up, I don't think that they necessarily would have gone in for it. But I can almost guarantee that before they were thinking about, you know, like, the political side of it, they were just thinking, like, oh, my God, we just need them to walk out the door for, like, 20 minutes, and we'll just go mm-hmm. grab the shit that we have the warrant for, and we'll leave. It's not even really that big of a deal. Yeah. And so on March 4th, two FBI uh profilers are like hey listen you need to stop increasing your tactical presence because that can be counterproductive and result in massive loss of life on march 4th two fbi profilers tell that to the team on the ground so then a couple days later a nine-year-old leaves the compound uh and there's a note pinned onto her jacket and her mother was like David Koresh is planning on killing us. 
Like once all the children are out, the adults are going to die. And Koresh and Steve Schneider are like, no, 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 no. That's not what we're doing. That's not what we're doing. And uh, the profilers are kind of just like, mm, like they could do it. They could not do it. We have no idea. But the FBI starts taking satellite photos and everything else. And they figure out that the Davidians have over a year of rations and water and everything. Of course they, they would. Right. They were doomsday cult. They yeah. We're coming. They've been prepared for this hostage moment their entire lives. This is their final time. Yes. This is exactly what they thought would happen, that they were going to be persecuted by the government. And here they are in their, yeah. like everything that they thought was supposed to happen is happening. And so they had no reason to leave. This is their time to shine. Exactly. And so, um, Ooh, I wrote this down because I felt like it was really important, and I'm going to read it to you verbatim. On several occasions, tactical pressure is exerted on the Davidians, either without consulting the negotiators or over the negotiators' objections. Y'all, have you ever done a group project in school? If you just go and do something without consulting everyone else, it never goes good. Never, ever. Because when it's time to present, you're not going to have everything. Mm -hmm. A moth just went across my camera, but it scared me so bad. <laughs> so, uh, remember how I was saying that there was a guy that was kind of in charge? Mm -hmm. I just found his name in my document. It, his last name is Jamar. And so the FBI negotiators are like, we shouldn't uh, cut off the electricity, but they do. So they cut off the electricity in the compound because they're kind of trying to like challenge David Koresh's control. So they wanted this is to doomsday people. They should be fine without the power on. Exactly. And they kind of were. They were just like, oh, well, this sucks. Like, I wish I had lights. Um, and, but Koresh was pissed. Like, it's not necessarily like they were fine. Like, they were fine with it as far as, like, survival skills went. But he was pissed off. Like, the first time that they did it, he got so mad that they were freaked out. And they, like, immediately turned it back on within the hour. Because they thought they were going to go kill everybody. They were seriously like, we don't know if we'll be able to get those kids out. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And so Jamar orders the power to be cut off for good against the uh, objections of the FBI negotiators because he wanted those inside the compound to experience the same wet, cold night as the tactical personnel outside. And what good does that do? Here's what good it did. Um, it made some people decide not to leave out of spite. There were a couple of people who were going to leave, and then when the FBI cut the power off, they were like, okay, not anymore. Like, not anymore. <clears throat> I was going to give in, but now you guys have gone too far. I'm not doing it. So then the FBI really just goes, like, balls-to-the-wall psyops, and they bring in floodlights. I'm talking, like, Friday night lights, football stadium floodlights, and they illuminate the entire compound so that there is no difference between day and night to try and keep everybody awake. Oh, God. Because when you're running on less sleep, you're more likely to be complacent. Uh, they also wanted to increase the safety of the HRT. But they also wanted to disrupt sleep, put additional pressure on those inside, you know. And then... It really feels like it's like an experiment. Like, it sounds like a scary... I have to watch this now. You need to watch this, because... Oh God, I thought I was going to sleep tonight, but apparently not. 
because the reason that I wanted to do this case for so long is because after I finished the show, the first thing that I did was look up this exact timeline that mm-hmm. I made my murder off of and be like, okay, let me go basically point for point and figure out what actually happened in real life and what was just kind of for drama's sake. Um, and so eventually the FBI decides that they, they come up with a new negotiation plan because they aren't really getting anywhere because if it was up to David Koresh, all he would talk about is God. And so they're like, okay, we're going to try and do like as much as we can to not listen to him talk like that. Like, and here's what they called it. Bible babble, which is the (laughs) funniest fucking thing I've ever Bible babble. Say it five times fast. I dare you. I can't. (laughs) I know. Nope. I, I just tried to say it. Bible babble, Bible babble, Bible babble, Bible babble, Bible babble. Bible babble, Bible babble, Bible babble. Nope, it's not happening. It's not happening. Well, I hope my acting teacher isn't listening because they were <laughs> red leather, yellow leather. <laughs> so, um, eventually David Koresh like his mother calls and is like hey baby I retained an attorney for you <laughs> and so just gonna drop like, off your lunch with an attorney note in there literally the FBI had to deliver legal documents to David Koresh in the <laughs> compound <laughs> oh my so god on March 21st two more women go out and on their way out David Koresh says I told you that my god says wait which is the creepiest utterance to somebody on your way out of somewhere that is oh god could you imagine being like okay mom i'm gonna go to work bye and your mom's like i told you my god says wait i would i would not know how to deal with that like i mean it I would say, as a Christian, that he is using the Lord's name in vain because he is very much going against everything God has ever said in the Bible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Literally, like... Didn't you hear that the, um, the 11th commandment is actually, thou shalt turn thy semi-automatic rifle into automatic rifle? Oh, yeah, I heard about that in the new updated version. Yeah, they found that yeah. it's actually, like, mainly in the King James Bible, but, like... Like you can gotcha. It. Like it's in there. I'm an NIV person. That's probably why I haven't seen too much mm, of it. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> I gotta stay updated. So then the FBI, because they're like, oh, the lights aren't, the lights by themselves aren't working anymore. So then they start playing like as loud of music that they can find, Tibetan chants, like Tibetan <laughs> throat singing, sirens, babies crying, like sounds that me that on like the most primal level set off your fight or flight constantly i don't know why instantly in my head i thought of starships by Nicki minaj as like something they would play Could over the speakers you imagine i just that's instantly what went in my head when i was thinking of like this bright land with the music playing over it the modern day version of that is you just keep a tiktok audio just repeating oh my god yeah if strawberry I'm, cow audio if i ever am like reading the comments on a tiktok and like i'm sitting next to my boyfriend about the third repetition of the tiktok my adhd brain has already just like moved the tiktok sound into my background like that is just how the world has always sounded as far as my brain is concerned and eventually he'll be like hey babe um 
that just keeps going. And I'm like, oh my God, how long? <laughs> how long has it been? I feel like I've done that. I'm not diagnosed with ADHD. I don't think I have it, but I've definitely done something like that before. I'm not officially diagnosed with ADHD, but I also read a thing that was like, pretty much everybody kind of has like symptoms of ADHD just because mm-hmm. of the technology world that we're in. Yeah. Listen, I'm not like trying to downplay ADHD or anything else. I think no, no, no. It's very likely yeah. that I have ADHD, but also we're in COVID, so I can't get in with my psychiatrist to discuss my diagnoses. So neither here nor there. Um. So Schneider on the inside pissed the fuck off about the music. He's angry, which I, I would be too. And so the negotiators are like, "Listen, it's not us. It's the tactical team." And Right as they're doing that, the tactical team is having their own meeting where they're talking about discussing stress escalation measures. They want to put more stress on the people inside. Mm-hmm. And so then somebody's like, uh, what about tear gas? What if we tear gas the whole thing? Oh. Uh-huh. It's not like a war crime. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so the uh, the negotiators' advisory, so those two people that are up in the FBI and the behavioral analysis, um, they said that Koresh will probably try to just wait them out. Like, he knows that he has more resources than they do because, like, mm-hmm. the FBI will eventually run out of money. They have more, like, physical resources, but they won't get the money to wait him out for an entire year, and he just has to yeah. be there. And, um... And so the FBI keeps trying to, like, negotiate and give him offers about, like, communication in jail and da-da-da-da-da. And so then eventually they kind of start placing ultimatums. And they say that on March 23rd at 10 o'clock in the morning, everybody has to be out for David Koresh to get one of the deals that they tried to strike. And uh, one person leaves. Just one. She's the last person to leave. Um, and then they keep playing the Tibetan chants Christmas music. Which I would be jamming inside of that. I know. I thought that was really funny. Um, and then the FBI gives another ultimatum on March 25th that 10 to 20 people need to leave or some action will be taken. Uh, they don't. So at 4 p.m., armored cars start taking the transportation off the compound. So any of the golf carts, dune buggies, whatever else. Um Lights, music, helicopter activity, FBI issues another ultimatum, and then March 26th marks the third straight day that David Koresh has refused to talk to negotiators. So, like, they're going buck wild, the negotiators are, and he's like, yeah, I hate this, and I'm not going to talk to you, so, like, you have, you literally have to kill all of us for for me to like give in to you at this point because they were just like pissing him off and i think that both like the people in the compound were like listen like we just want you to leave us alone yeah and the people in the fbi were like we just want your guns and they were like no and that was basically like that's just kind of what it boils down to which made me so angry and you said that, that you just had to have a $25 permit, and then it's fine, right? Right. I'm like, just throw $25 out the window and then leave. I don't... Yeah, I mean, I can see how I got taken out of hand when everything started happening, but, like, 
Oh, it's... I know. Why would you do it illegally if you only have to pay $25? That's, yeah, yeah. Why? Why? Why would you? So, on March 28th, David Koresh finally gets back on the phone, and he's like, just by the way, I have no intention of dying. And he was waiting on, like, a word from God. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. I totally forgot to mention, in the original, like, gun battle that ensued, David Koresh was shot in the abdomen. So, this entire time that he's been negotiating... And everything, like, he's been recovering from a gunshot wound to the thoracic cavity. Oh, my God. Imagine having a gunshot wound and just having, like, baby cries, like, music playing super loud noise. You can't get sleep, anything. And this sucker's still being stubborn. Mm-hmm. Is this my dad? Is this no, my dad? Yeah, like, I... The amount of stubbornness is insane. And now to hear that like he has that. a gunshot... The power, the, like, mental power that that man holds. Mm-hmm. What's his therapist over, giving him all his, that mental power? Over his own body, at least. So, uh, David Koresh's attorneys just kind of, like, go onto the compound one day to meet with him. And when they leave, the tactical unit is like, like, what'd they say? And, um, depending on Passover, allegedly, the group was going to come out sometime between April 2nd and April 10th. And then... Uh, on April 7th, the HRT commander is like, it doesn't look like they're coming out. Like, we need to rethink the tear gas plan. And then, two days later, on April 9th, Yahweh, Yahweh? Okay. You're looking at me for him. I have no idea. I've never heard of this case in my life. No, I'm sorry. (laughs) It's the Hebrew word for, I, I think it is, like, Yahweh, the Hebrew word for Messiah. Oh, I should know this. I don't, but I should. I think it's Yahweh. Is that how you say it? I thought you were saying an officer's name, and I was like, I don't know. No, this is my my Lord and Savior's name, and I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. This is what David David Koresh started calling himself this around this time. So basically, he's starting to assert that he's God the day before he said they would leave. Yeah. And so he also sent, sent a letter to the FBI saying that he, the heavens are calling you to judgment. And they send the letters uh, off to some analysts. And also, David Koresh just keeps sending letters. Like, every single day, he just writes another letter because they won't listen to his religious ramblings anymore. So he's just writing them letters. Dear FBI, here's the problems I have today. (laughs) Dear FBI, God said, you suck, and here's why. Dear FBI, just talked to my best buddy today, and he said that you're just not it. So you're going to have to go. Um, some experts look at the letters and they're like, yeah, we think that he is actually, like, a psychopath. So he has no genuine sense of empathy for those other people inside with him. They just figured this out? I know. I know, right? And so they're like, yeah, he's probably not going to leave voluntarily. And so that's when they send the tear gas plan to the attorney general at the time. Who is a woman by the last name Reno. I don't know why I didn't copy paste her first name. But I didn't, so. Here's the tear gas plan. April 12th, FBI officials uh, present the tear gas plan to Reno. At first, she's like, why now? Like, why don't we just wait, like, wait it out a little bit more? And then somehow they convince her that, like, they need to do something. And here's how they present the plan to her. It's not an all-out assault, 
but a tactic whereby gas will be inserted in stages, initially into only one small area of the compound. The goal was to allow for an exit. So basically the way that they presented it to the attorney general was that they were going to like punch a hole in the building and put tear gas in that hole, but then punch a different hole on the other side of the building for everybody to run out. Gotcha. But may I just remind everybody, tear gas is a war crime. It was then, mm -hmm. it is now. A war crime. Thank to you. use on your, especially to use it on your own people. Yeah, your own American citizens. Mm -hmm. like. And I guess, I guess part of the reason that it got so intense, because we've been talking for a long time about this, I did uh, remember that there were several ATF agents who were killed or injured in the mm -hmm. original gunfire, so maybe that was part of the reason that they were, that, like, the law enforcement was, like, it kind of didn't become about the permit and the rifle and what the warrant was about, it then became, like... Yeah, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Because once there's bodies down, then it changes to a whole new thing. Officers down, especially. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, on April 14th, Koresh sends a letter, and he's like, by the way, I need to write my personal manuscript talking about what we need to do to, uh, unlock the seven seals before God will, like, come, I don't know, take us all away or whatever. I don't, I don't know anything about the seven seals, because apparently... I've watched this whole show, and so I feel like if it was a well-known biblical topic, like, it, they would have covered it, but apparently the reason that he wanted to write his own manuscript about it was that it wasn't a super well-known part of Christianity, and so it's kind of just, like, two lines in either Revelations or Exodus, and so he just took those two lines and kind of ran with it. Right. Uh... So... He's like, let me write my personal manifesto manuscript real quick, just real quick. And then I'll leave. And so, uh, on April 14th, that very same day, up in Washington, Reno has brought a, like, little guide that says that tear gas has no lasting effects on children and is not fatal to them. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, initially, she rejects it. She's like, fuck you. Like, no, we don't need to tear gas children. Yeah. Like, this seems a bit extreme. Oh, yeah. Although there had been more, no laboratory tests performed on children relative to the effects of the gas, anecdotal evidence seemed to be sufficient that there would be no permanent injury. Nice, nice, tear nice, gas, nice. Tear gas has killed protesters in the past couple of months. Adult protesters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about children? It can kill people in their 20s. It can definitely kill someone younger. Children under six can die with a face mask on. Yeah. Let alone tear gas. God, oh, that's so amazing. I just, for some reason in my head, I'm just picturing them having like a little pamphlet like a little trifold pamphlet, just handing it to them, be like, just look this over, and I'll and talk to you in the morning. Stock photos of white nuclear families smiling and like mm -hmm. word art that says tear gas is safe. Mm -hmm. <gasps> um, so 
Reno orders that everybody, that somebody like gives her a write up on all of the negotiations that they've tried to do, all of the failed plans and recoveries and who has gotten out, how many people they estimate are back inside the compound and everything. So she gets that. And then she approves the review, giving the prepared material a cursory review, leaving tactical decisions to those at Waco. And we will see how well that goes. Mm-hmm. Reno goes to Clinton, President Clinton, to tell him what happens. And he's like, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I agree that that's a good way to get them to clear out. But, like, what about the kids that are inside of there? Mm-hmm. And then he's like, well, I mean, it is your decision. And so that's just kind of where that stops and the plan's approved. So on Monday, April 19th at 6.02 a.m., um, FBI CEVs, which are combat engineering vehicles, they have these like like spray nozzles on them mm-hmm. that have tear gas in them, but also the spray nozzles, what they're using to like break into the compound. Because this is like a wooden compound. They built it themselves. It's literally oh, gotcha. like a wooden structure. So they kind of like break into the wood with like the metal end of this thing. And then that has like a nozzle on it that starts dispensing tear gas. While you're saying it, I'm going to look it up just so I can get a visual of. Just imagine it a tank. No, I'm looking up, like, the house, like, the compound. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Imagine the house the Duggars live in. The Duggars. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah, just imagine the house that they live in. Um, and so they, at 6.04 a.m., the Davidians start shooting, and then uh, the FBI start shooting, they start shooting back with, like, tear gas bullets. So it's, like, a bullet that drops and then, like, starts spraying tear gas. Um, and then at 7.30 a.m., one of those vehicles, like, breaks into the front of the building and then injects gas on the first floor. And then at 8 a.m., they go into the second floor back right corner. So they've now gone in. It, the back right corner is the left of the front. So now they've effectively gone, if you're looking at it from the front of the building, on the first floor on the right side and the second floor on the left side. Which kind of, I mean, I just looked at it. plan where there should be a hole for everybody to get out of. Yeah, I just looked at, and for visual people that don't know what it looks like, I think it looks like the Bates Motel. Yes. But bigger. We'll use the picture of the compound as the picture for this story. Gotcha, gotcha. Like on our Instagram, so people can mm-hmm. go look at it while they're listening if they feel like it. Um... And so, at crime and chamomile on instagram <laughs> yes check it out um then they go to the middle of the front of the building to like make a big hole from where everybody mm-hmm. can escape so i guess that kind of makes sense uh and then they go in through the back to create an opening near the gymnasium apparently there was a gymnasium gotta stay fit when you're prepping for doomsday uh-huh and then uh that opening that they breached by the gymnasium is the opening that eventually collapses and covers the exit of the bunker. So the Davidians were a doomsday cult. Every single doomsday cult has an underground bunker. This should have been anticipated. I cannot believe that the FBI was shocked about it. So when they went in and did their little demolition derby on that unit and they put the tear gas everywhere, 
in that building, they also created a situation in which the people that were in the building couldn't get out because it crashed a wall down on top of the exit to the bunker. And they're like, oh my god, these doomsday people have a bunker? Why would they have a bunker? Like, oh my god, that's almost like what their whole life revolves around, right. going so to that, that bunker. So here's what, here's what the FBI story is, is that the Davidians start simultaneous fires at three or four different locations within the compound. And an HRT observer reports seeing a man starting a fire in the front of the building. Um, and then the FBI says that they hear systematic gunfire coming from in the compound. And then at 12.41 in the afternoon, then they start fighting the fire. Like, well over an hour after it started. And in the middle of Texas, yes. that sucker is caught. And so here's, here's kind of where the conspiracy comes in, more or less. Did the Davidians set the building on fire? Or... Was it the fact that they had not had power for over a month, so they had been relying on candlelight and oil lamps, mm. and then the FBI ran tactical vehicles through the building, releasing tear gas, which is known to be highly flammable and even mm -hmm. explode in some cases, mm -hmm. like downright explosive. So while it is perfectly feasible that, like, they, they totally could have gone and done the Jonestown thing. This was a couple months after Jonestown. They mm -hmm. could have done the Jonestown thing and, like, mass suicided it up. But he was constantly asserting that they didn't want to die. Like, he was just like, listen, like, I'm out here trying to live my best life, write my manuscript, like, talk to God, and uh, fuck all of the women in the compound because I'm the only one that's allowed to. It's fine. Yeah. That was a legit part. He was the only one allowed to have sex with the women in the compound uh, because he was the only one that was allowed to have the children because they needed to be his heirs so that they could rise up and take over the world and everything. So, oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Right. Yeah, and that was happening in the middle of Texas. The person mm -hmm. taking over the world. Yep. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, Makes sense. Yeah. Don't you know that all of the world leaders are born in just a big wood shack in Texas? Oh my god, yeah. I should have figured that out by now. I know. Get with it. With it. God. So, yeah, I can also see how, like, what if they did set it on fire? Like, here's me opening my new conspiracy. Yeah. What if they did set it on fire? Because, like, maybe they had a thing in their head of, like, they're not worthy of what we have in this building, like, the information that we have in this building. So they're like, mm -hmm. set it on fire. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they set it on fire, but I also do see as they had candles and stuff. Yeah. And so that's kind of something more like in my brain that I don't think I'll ever be able to stop thinking about is mm -hmm. and especially if you watch Waco because it shows you just as much time of like the inside of the compound and kind of like what we do know about the relationships of the people that were left over in the compound as given mm -hmm. by the people that were able to escape and so it does a good job of like painting the picture and kind of explaining why the people in the compound were so passionate about it and why they wanted to stay because they genuinely did think that all of their beliefs were 100% true. It's just like, yeah, it's just like any religion. Like you walk into any church, they can be directly next door to each other and have, you know, it could be a Baptist and a Methodist church right next door to each other. Mm -hmm. Each group of those people is going to believe in their own thing 
just yeah. as strongly as the other. Yeah, like, it's, religion definitely gets into, which can cause people to be angry, but it's, religion is how people believe in their entire life, and when mm-hmm. someone else comes in and says otherwise, then it's definitely a huge, like, threat to your living, apparently, to some people, but mm-hmm. I mean, like, I just think believe what you believe and what other people believe is literally none of your business. If they're not trying to switch religions, don't try to switch their religion. I feel like that was kind of their, like, thought. I feel like that's kind of what the Davidians thought, though, is it's just, like, Mm -hmm. just leave us alone. Like, we're out here trying to just, like, be a cult. There's nothing against being a cult. We have our freedom to religion, and this is our religion. It's this cult. Yeah. And, like, some people left when the thing happens, but a lot of people stayed, which showed that they obviously weren't being treated super bad. And I don't know if it was made from the water being put out, but was there a pool in the back? Was there? It looks like, I don't, like, from what I can see, there looks to be, like, a little bit of water in the back in a certain area. It's a body of water. I don't know if it's made to be a pool or maybe it just filled up. Oh, wait. Maybe it is a pool. Part of their gymnasium. That also, okay, so in the TV show, that kind of looks like the little section Mm -hmm. that the bunker was in. So basically what the bunker was was like a school bus that they had buried. Like in the ground. So that it was like completely metal on all sides and then they buried it and there was like a little bit of it up above so that there was like a little cross trapped and some airflow but that was mainly what the bunker was so that kind of looks like that could be that but it also looks like it's a pool so it could be really anything Uh, I just thought about the fact that all those people were willingly like the world's gonna end and we're all going into this bus together Mm -hmm. oh god not even bus. like a second bus yeah school bus not even yeah. like a second one or like a party bus just so you can stand up more exactly definitely a party bus if it doesn't have a stripper pole i'm not going to the end of the world i'm not doing it yeah like d- it, you're gonna be locked up in there and not have any fun just be serious all the time no <laughs> <laughs> let's be real here i know let's be real here Oh my god, imagine having to give birth in a school bus. Stop it. Oh god. I hope they at least I, took the seats out. I don't even want to have to imagine giving birth. Like, full oh, yeah, stop. No. Uh-uh. No. Uh-uh. If you say the words cervix and dilation in the same sentence, I will start screaming. It's... Ugh. Okay, different subjects. <laughs> so anyway, there is my sloppy retelling of the Waco Siege please go watch the TV show. I am begging each and every one of you. Starting with you, Kendall. Yes, I am. Also, hashtag not sponsored by the Waco show. Oh, true. True. Yeah. Like, they would sponsor us, but no, unfortunately. Yeah, they did not, but I mean, I wish. Figuring we also choose our cases, like, three days before we record it. We definitely don't have enough time to do that. No. Um, hopefully one day we'll have sponsors if you're listening and you're a business. 
And do you want a sponsor? Yes, I'm trying to plan on like, I don't know if you were right, but I was like, I want to get 100 views on three episodes. And I want to start emailing people and eventually make a website. You're I'm so like, I'm, so I'm doing all this stuff for this podcast. But I like, I don't want to like start trying to do big stuff when I have like 30 views a podcast because like people are going to be like, no one's going to hear this product. <laughs> You're going to have 30 people. Like, <laughs> But 30 people. And every time I listen to a podcast that has ads, you know, I'm just hovering over that little 15 second. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. When I'm listening to my favorite murder and I start hearing the little jazzy like tune come on in the background, mm-hmm. and I skip, 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 <laughs> just like the, whichever one is at the very top of the show though, right now mm-hmm. it's a bananas one. I usually have that one completely memorized. Yeah. I do listen to them sometimes depending, but the only time I don't listen to the advertisements is when I am on like break and I'm simply can listen for 15 minutes and I'm like, okay, yeah, I just want to hear a story right now. But I mean, they recommend really good shows most of the time. Mm -hmm. And like true crime people like, like the same stuff. I'm like, yeah, for sure. But that is it for the podcast this week hopefully this will be out on tuesday we did stay in a good time length i think we've been recording for an hour and nine minutes yes if i did that over two hours definitely not which we did do last time which is fun quirky so i hope everyone has a great day great night great midday i hope you're on a good lunch break have a good great commute to work Whatever you're doing, have a wonderful time. Yes, and thank you for listening to our voices while you do whatever thing you are doing and having a great time. Yes, and thank you for sticking with the podcast as we continue to grow and get more into these stories. All right, you guys. Have a we wonderful will day. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Okay. Mamma mia.